thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Great. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Well, that was an exciting ending to the third week of Missouri Valley action. It's great to be back with you here on the Periscope. I'm Nick Schultz off the inbound college basketball blog and WLUW radio here in my new setup with my new microphone. Shout out to the guy who gave me a hard time about my microphone last week. Excited to be back here with you. Another big week of Valley play. A lot of things up in the air with Valley play because it's COVID season and there's a lot going on with COVID in the Valley Bradley just coming off a of COVID shutdown. If anyone wants to comment about the ending of that game or anything about the Bradley Northern Iowa game, feel free to comment. I'll read at pretty much any and all comments, at least any that I see that talk about Valley basketball. But that was a crazy ending to that game because there was time on the clock. They missed a free throw, which, reminder, make your free throws, kids. Bowen Bourne missed a free throw. Rebound goes to Northern Iowa. The clock didn't start until after Bourne shot a three, and then they had a putback, and they had to review it to see if there was time left on the clock, and the officials determined that there wasn't. So it was just a crazy, crazy ending, and Bradley came out with the win, 75-73. That's where I want to start this week before getting into everything else. I had a whole bunch of stuff I was going to talk about before getting to the Bradley-Northern Iowa game, but we have to talk about that, because that... That ending was crazy, and that series was crazy. I didn't really know. I tweeted this, and if you're following along and you're not following me, hit the follow button at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I didn't know what we were going to get in this series between Northern Iowa and Bradley because Bradley's coming off their COVID shutdown. So obviously, coming off a pause from COVID, it's going to be it's going to be a rough start. You're going to be it's going to be sluggish. You're going to be getting back into the groove. And then Northern Iowa, I still say, is a wild card this year because you don't have A.J. Green. He's out with an injury. You don't have Antoine Kimmins. He's back home helping his family during the pandemic. So in reality, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up to be a wild card of sorts. I really didn't know which team for each side was going to show up, and they end up splitting the series. Northern Iowa won last night 78-72. Bradley took the win tonight 75-73 at McLeod Center. That's up there for series of the year, and especially that ending. And just an important stat, shout out to my buddy Larry Larson at the Bradley Scout for bringing up that Bradley struggled with free throws, going 9 for 15. Northern Iowa was 15 for 23. So the free throw shooting, the game came down to free throws. So again, the young basketball players out there, make your free throws, practice your free throws. I've seen a lot of missed free throws there. And obviously, yeah, Matt, Matt Retschler. Tweeting it there. That's the only time to not make your free throw, though. Missed it on purpose. I agree. There are There is a time and place to not make a free throw. You read my mind. That's the next place I was getting to. Bourne missed that on purpose, as he should have. And if the clock operator had started the clock, 
we'd have had a better idea of if Northern Iowa would have had a chance to get a shot off. I counted it on my own. I showed they were 0.2 seconds late. Two-tenths of a second they were late. So that's what I calculated. I don't know what the officials had. Calculated on my computer. So there could have been a little bit of a lag. I, was all, I also stream TV. I don't have cable. So there could have been something with my internet that I screwed up with the way the feed was coming in. But I calculated that Northern Iowa was two-tenths of a second short of tying that game and sending it to overtime. That's how close it was. That's how close the league's going to be this year. There's a lot of parity, especially with games getting postponed. We had two teams not play this week due to COVID, and it was Drake and Southern Illinois. Both had COVID outbreaks among the Tier, tier 1 personnel. So Loyola Chicago and Indiana State met for a series, and that series ended up in a split. And I, full disclosure, any games yesterday night, I didn't watch. I work. I, I'm, a, I'm a bartender on Sunday nights. So any games on Sunday nights, I can't watch, especially last night with playoff football on and the Illinois game on. I live in central Illinois. Illinois basketball is a big thing down here. Like, people love Illinois basketball. And we were watching the Illinois game. We were watching the Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers game. I had the Loyola game on as Indiana State was making their comeback, and the owner grabbed the remote and changed the channel. I'm like, oh, great. So I saw the final score late. Loyola gave up an 18-0 run to Indiana State. Seemed like they just the defense fell apart in that second half. Hi, Kyle. I figured that was you liking with all the hearts with the Illinois basketball there. But Loyola kind of fell apart the second half, and Indiana State came out on top for their first Valley win. Yes, Indiana State was 0-4 going into that game last night. And now they're 1-5 because Loyola won today. And the, Loyola won by 10. That game didn't – it felt closer than that. And I, I really – it felt closer than 10 points because it came down to free throws in that last minute. Last minute went on and on and on. I'm trying to watch a national championship between Alabama and Ohio State, and it's just going on and on and on. And Loyola came out on top. That was a big win for the Ramblers to get back on track. And hopefully this means more. It bodes well for the future, too. Shout out to Mary Chapel who commented, editor-in-chief of the Loyola Phoenix Mail publication. What's up, Chapel? But, yeah, Loyola... Lost their first Valley game of the season last night. Came back tonight. They're four and one. I think is that four and one? Is that what their record is now? Whatever it is, either way, they've lost a game. Now that brings up the question. I've seen this on Twitter. I'm going to bring it up now. Who's the best team in the Valley this year? That is a very tough question to answer, especially because you've had teams that haven't. I don't. I think there's only been a couple teams that have played a full slate of games so far, and it's only it's only a couple teams that have played all their games. Drake, the top team in the league, 13-0. First team in college basketball to get 13 wins. Had to shut down due to COVID, and I was really looking forward to Loyola Drake. So back-to-back -back weeks, we've had Loyola Bradley and Loyola Drake get postponed. Both series could be series of the year. So you've had them shut down. You had other programs affected by the shutdowns. Valpo just played their first games this weekend. Their first conference games they played this weekend. So you've got to take that into consideration when asking who's the best team in the Valley. Right now, I know people are saying, Drake, you look on paper. If I'm, so, if I'm solely looking at stats on my computer, solely looking at the stat sheet in front of me, on paper, it's Loyola. Just no ifs, ands, or buts. A lot of seniors, a lot of experience, a lot of playmakers. On paper, they should be the best team. 
pass the eye test because it's I think it's Adam Schefter that says I use the two best tools, my left eye and my right eye. The eye test tells you Drake. So it's up for debate who the best team is in the league. And it's going to be hard to tell because you, you're, nobody's playing a full slate right now. With COVID shutdowns, I don't think, I think the Missouri State has played six games. Evansville has played six games. Indiana State has played six games. That's it. Three teams out of ten have played all six games. That is an important factor in deciding who is the best team in the Missouri Valley this season. Again, there's going to be a lot of parity in the league anyway. So it's hard to, su- it's hard to say if you're going to have a true best team. I, th- I still lump it together. Loyola, Bradley, Drake, your top three in any order. That can go in any order. I don't care that Bradley lost last night to Northern Iowa. I, I really don't. It doesn't matter that they lost to Northern Iowa last night. They are still in my top three. And yes, hashtag rank Drake. Get Drake ranked. It's hard now that they didn't play this weekend. Drake needs to be ranked. Those are your top three teams. Illinois State, sorry, Redbird Twitter, Illinois State's in the bottom. They're the 10th team. They are on their own. Everybody from four through nine is interchangeable. The ninth place team could be a decent team. That's just where the league's at this year. In 2019, the year after Loyola made the Final Four run, so 2018, 2019, there was a lot of parity in the league, but it's because it was a race to the bottom. There wasn't, I want to say Loyola won, was it Loyola and Drake shared the title at 10 and 6? That's what the that's what it was two years ago. Now, anyone, four through nine, it's going to be anybody. And I still say one, one, two, and three is some combination of Loyola, Drake, and Bradley. It could be that order, it could be any of the other however many combinations there are for the top three. That's where the league's at this year. And it's going to be great for the league itself. I got some comments here I want to read. Kyle Brown saying, rank Drake. Yes, I agree. Dang, don't hate on my birds, Nick. Hey, I promise I'm not hating. I'm actually working on going down to Illinois State this weekend to cover Illinois State, Indiana State. I live with two Illinois State alumni and my parents. So I, I'm not hating. I just, I, I'm presenting the facts and I just, I can't, I still think Illinois State just the way, it's just the way there's. What, what metaphor am I looking for here? The cards that you drew, the way things fell, Illinois, gonna, Illinois State is going to be the 10th team. So I, I'm sorry, I promise. I'm not hating. Uh, D. Saylor, 20. Good guard play, wins championships. The Ramblers are, play, are very far off from good guard play. Welch looks great, though. Yeah, I, the guard play for Loyola, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I know Porter Moser talks about the usual, oh, any – any given night, any different guy can show up. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I need to see more consistency from Tate Hall. Now, I do Loyola post games during during non conference. I used to do Loyola post games, and even through some select conference games, I might do one. Who knows? I usually talk about them in my Valley shows here. But go back to the North Texas game, and you'll see that I was defending Tate Hall because I know people were talking about. Oh, bench Tate Hall. Like, Tate Hall needs to be benched. He has nothing, blah, 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 blah. Tate Hall was all conference last year. Keep that in mind. Today, against Indiana State, Tate went two for six, but all from three for six points. He made the first bucket of the game, and he made one more in the second half, I think. So Tate Hall is struggling. I do like that I hear Ugwak's turning a corner, including one for one from three. I used to cringe a little bit. Not cringe. I used to kind of hold my breath a little bit when I hear shot of three. 
Now he's getting that confidence, which is good. It makes Loyola that much more dangerous. Lucas Williamson's stats don't show up much offensively. He's there for defense. I love Lucas Williamson's defense. I still say he's the best defender in the league. I really want to hear a convincing argument to tell me why I'm wrong. And I'll tell you why you're wrong, because Lucas Williamson's the best defender in the league. Braden Norris, one for six shooting. Not what you want to see. Keith Clements, two for six shooting. Again, not what you want to see. I do agree. Tom Welch, I was talking to my buddy Josh Betts today over at Betts Sports Beat. We were talking, Tom Welch right now wins most improved player. Two for three tonight with four points. Yeah, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but he's, he's playing with more confidence. That's what you want to see from him. He didn't Last year, he didn't get the minutes I thought he had gotten. But he's playing good minutes now. He only played 12 tonight, but he had two fouls. I think Tom Welch is turning a corner. He's my vote for most improved player. If I had one, I don't have a vote this year, which is weird. But yeah, there's, there's good things going for Loyola, and there's bad things going for Loyola. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Again, any given night, any one of these guys. You saw a here go crazy against North Texas for a career high. Cameron Crutwig tonight, 16 points, 8 rebounds. So he, they were playing through him tonight. Once they started playing through Crutwig, because I, I watched that game all the way through, once they started playing through Crutwig, things got better. And having Crutwig and Welch on the floor together is a lineup I've been pushing for for a year and a half now, and we finally got it tonight, and I don't think we saw it again after that. I want to see more Crutwig and Welch together because that lineup works. It's plain and simple. It brought them back from a deficit. It works. So again, a lot of good. There's some good for Loyola. There's some bad for Loyola. It's the nature of the game. Right now, they're four and one in league play. If I'm reading my standings right here, four and one, three and one. If the standings have updated, I really. It's there's so much going on tonight that I don't know if the standings have updated here. But you get my point. They've lost one game. Actually, it should be three and one because there'd be six games they missed series last weekend. They're three and one in league play. Not hitting the panic button on Loyola yet. Is Indiana State that good, though, to beat Loyola last night? Eh, hard to say. Indiana State, I love Jake LaRavia. I love his game. And I know the announcers were saying, I think it was Tim Doyle that brought up, he's got player of the year potential. I love that kid. I loved him last year. I, I think he's he's something special for this league. So yeah, They've got him. Tyreek Keat, you can't sleep on Tyreek Keat. I brought up player of the year voting on my radio show a few weeks ago about who would be the player of the year. Love Tyreek Key's game. He's not necessarily my pick for player of the year, but yeah, he'd be first team all league. Absolutely. So you got those two guys. Indiana State is better than their record shows. So that's why like last night's game, it wasn't a bad loss, except maybe on paper for Loyola. But it's something to keep in mind. The team that's surprising though is Evansville. I didn't think Evansville would win one game this year, let alone four. They're four and two in league play. I know it was it was definitely me and Wyatt Wheeler, who covers Missouri State for the Springfield News later, we both were kind of in agreement that Evansville wouldn't win a game this year. They won four. They're over 500. Now, I know good things happen when all you do is chuck up threes. I watched the NBA. I know if you chuck up enough threes, they're going to start falling. And that's kind of the mentality that Evansville has. And Todd Licklider, he's instilled that this year. Good things happen when you just chuck up threes. Eventually, I'm not, I mean, I don't, I'm not a math guy. Like, I won't get into the probability but I can tell you firsthand, you shoot enough shots, they're going to start falling. Like, that's just, that's how things work. But Evansville at 4-2 and two is a surprise. I'm not sure if that's sustainable. I'm not sure if the when-in-doubt chuck-up-a-three game plan is going to work that well. But if it's working right now, I mean, they got me talking about them. 
And it's all, all over my Twitter. I keep playing the clip of Barry Hinson. It's the Valley. I mean, you keep up that game plan and it keeps working. Evansville could make some noise. They, they were the 10th team. It was them and Illinois State, who I would put in my little blocks, because I keep using the block analogy this year, that it was Evansville and Illinois State at the bottom. Now I've got Evansville in that four through nine block. I got to get like a graphic or something for that so you guys can see what I'm talking about instead of watching me talk with my hands and losing track of everything. But Evansville, to me, is surpassing my expectations. And especially four and two early. Again, it's early yet. There are 18 games. I'm, I'm talking as if we're going to get all 18 games in this year. So there are 18 games in a conference slate every season. Through a third of the games, Evansville is the biggest surprise hands down. And I agree with my buddy Reese Johnson who's watching. Shout out, Reese. Thanks for watching, buddy. They're going to make some noise at Arch Madness this year. Arch Madness is going to be madness again. We're coming up the craziest Arch Madness ever. We've got another one coming up this year that will probably give it a run for its money. I hope there can be fans there. I know the Valley hasn't ruled it out. I saw my buddy Paul Oren at the uh, Northwest Indiana Times tweeted that out. Like they're, they're planning some fans at Arch Madness this year. I'm not sure how much, we're, how many fans we're going to see. But if, if we can get fans at Arch Madness this year, it's going to be a year to go to Arch Madness. I mean, mask up, etc. But, man, this league, this league this year, this is a great year for Valley basketball. That's why I keep doing these periscopes because the Valley is a good league this year. They're not a two-bid league. That has been – that's gone. Outside of Drake, I'm not sure – it depends on how Drake comes back from COVID. If you watch these teams coming back from COVID, they've been kind – they've been sluggish. They've, they've kind of been disjointed to start, and – I know Bradley lost their first game back. I know Loyola didn't look great when they came back from their shutdown. Southern Illinois has their shutdown now. Drake also coming off their shutdown. You don't know what you're going to get. So hopefully Drake can keep winning and give some hope for a two-bid league this year. That's the only way the Valley is going to be a two-bid league. If Drake goes 18-0 or whatever the minimum is for to get into March Madness and runs the table at Arch Madness and loses in the championship to – whoever the second best team would be. That's the only way the Valley is a two-bid league. But as we sit here now, all hope is gone because Loyola lost to Indiana State. Loyola could have made a case, I guess, if they'd have run the table and gone 18-0 or 15-0, ran the table at Arch Madness, lost in the Arch Madness championship. You could have made a case, but now it's, it's a one-bid one league. And even, even Bradley, I mean, Bradley's record is now 6-4, and four. I know the selection committee. I know with the net and everything, things have changed. I still think back to when Illinois State got screwed my freshman year in 2017. Now Bradley's got four losses against them. They should be. They could easily be eight and two. They could easily be eight and two if the if the ball bounces another way and an extra free throw goes in here and there. They could be eight and two. But the nature of the league is it is a one bid league now. It's whoever wins Arch Madness. Maybe there'll be multiple NIT bids. I mean, that wouldn't be unheard of, especially for a mid-major league like the Valley. And this year with the COVID year, I don't know how the selection committee is going to think. I don't know how the selection committee is going to think any year, let alone this year. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in March. Depends on what happens in St. Louis at Arch Madness. Ms. Johnson comments, that's going to be my next question. Is it two-bid league or not? Yeah, I, it's the only way it's two-bid league is if Drake runs the table. Drake would be the only team with any hope of an at-large bid. I'm going to block this. I'm going to block this comment here. Okay, sorry about that. I don't like seeing 
comments like that on my periscopes here. And also, just some, some more news from tonight before, before I start wrapping up a little bit, unless you have more comments. Cameron Crutwig joined some royal status tonight. King Crut has officially become royalty in a way. He is now the fourth player in Missouri Valley history with 1,500-plus points, 800-plus rebounds, and 300-plus assists. The other three, maybe you heard of them. Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, and Hersey Hawkins. That's some good company. So congratulations to Cameron Crutwig on those honors. What's crazy is Crutwig still hasn't won a Player of the Year award yet. Can you believe that? I know I wrote a column when Marcus Towns won the award. I, I was totally – I hope I didn't disrespect Marcus in a way when I wrote that. But, yeah, I was kind of – I was sleeping on him a little bit when I wrote that Crutwig should have won Player of the Year in 2019. But it's crazy that he hasn't won a Larry Bird trophy yet. This year, I think, could be the year. Loyola's got to win the league, though. It usually goes to the, a player on the winning team. And if Loyola wins the league, I think Crutwig's a shoe-in for Player of the Year. And yes, uh, yes, Reese, that is a Mount Rushmore. I almost tweeted that. That is Mount Rushmore. Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, and Hersey Hawkins, and Cameron Crutwig, the only four players in Valley history to do that. And I was watching the Northern Iowa-Bradley game. They said only like 12 players in NCAA history have ever done that. And four of them are in the Valley. That's awesome to see. And again, congratulations to Crutt. That's a, that's a great honor. And there's still plenty of games left here. There's, good Lord willing, there's going to be 12 games left in this Valley schedule. I hope we get them all in. As we've seen, college football national championships going on right now. College football got their season in. Hopefully college basketball can do the same. I know March Madness is going to be all in Indiana this year, which is great for the state of Indiana. It's all going to be in one location this year. They're taking precautions there. Vaccines are coming out. Hopefully the season goes as planned. Hopefully the Valley can get all their games in. I know they've got postponements all over the place here. And they're making it work. There were a bunch of schedule changes that came out this past week. And then they had to announce another one because Drake and SIU both had COVID. So it's, it's going to be... Very touch and go this year. But as we say here now, there's a good chance we can get all 18 games in for every team. But we'll see. Let's run through the upcoming schedule. Again, this is all tentatively speaking. As we sit here now, this is Monday, January 11th at 9.35 p.m. Central Time. So anything can change within the next 12 hours even. But as we sit here now, let's look at the upcoming schedule. Coming up next Saturday, January 16th, we got a full slate. Uh, as we sit here now, I believe these are all still on. Valparaiso at Southern Illinois, Evansville at Bradley, Indiana State at Illinois, at Illinois State. I'll be at the first game of that one, I think. I'm still working to confirm. And Northern Iowa at Loyola. That's going to be a good series at Gentile Arena. And then we're supposed to have Drake, Missouri State. That has been postponed due to COVID concerns with the Drake Bulldogs. So eight games next weekend. The last game will be on Sunday, which means I'm still going to do this on Monday, probably not as late now, because I work Sunday nights. So I'm to I, am out I am out of here from 6 to probably 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. So we will do this still on Monday. That will be January 18th. I believe that's Martin Luther King Day. Be right here Monday night talking Valley hoops. But that's a good slate of games coming up next weekend. And – if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you don't have to worry about watching football next weekend unless you want to watch the wild card game. So instead, watch some Valley Hoops, which is going to be better than watching whatever the Chicago Bears were this year. I don't have any more comments here, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. A professional microphone. Oh, come on. I 
I'm a man on a budget here. This is the second time somebody's given me a hard time about my microphone. You know what? Let me tell you something. I just graduated from college in the middle of a pandemic. I'm trying to get by and pay my student loans. You can cut me a break on the microphone. And I've had this for a couple of years now. So quit talking about my microphone and understand where I'm coming from here, man. Like, come on. You've got to cut me a break with this stuff. Second week in a row. This is, a, this is the second microphone that I've had that someone's given me a hard time about. And I've had the Mac for two years. I've had the Mac for a couple of years now. I paid for it then. I, I, things have changed, all right? Things have changed. And uh, the, this microphone is actually where the podcast version of this show is going through. You're, you're hearing the raw audio on my phone right now. This microphone is where you can hear th- this, the audio is going through to my computer, my Mac apparently, because I should flex that I have a Mac. You can listen to the podcast on the Sunday Sports Shootout feed from WOUW Radio. That's where I post these. It'll be up probably within the next 10 minutes. Be sure to tune in there and catch me Sundays at 11 a.m. on WLUW 88.7 FM on your dial if you're in Chicago or WLUW.org for anyone outside the area. Follow me along on Twitter. We'll be talking Valley Hoops next Sunday. Got a full slate coming up. I'm going to wrap this up here. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. Join me Sunday on WLUW Radio, and I hope to see you then. Have a great week, everybody.